Welcome back to the Gold Advantage, your number one destination for all esports betting picks and chatter. My name's Scoot. I'm back with Nikita and Chris and a very special guest for a very special episode on League of Legends World Finals between Sooning and Dam One Gaming. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing good. I'm excited. We've had some excitement in the world with Bjergsen retiring. Uh, you know, World Championships finals are coming, so it's a bit bittersweet because I know the end is coming to to the season. Um, but looking forward to to this episode. And you know, I'm extremely excited because my pick from the very beginning, Dan Juan, is proving to be accurate as I expected. They're unbelievably talented. They're performing. They're peaking. I'm excited, but what I'm even more excited about is we are, as Scoot mentioned, have a very special guest joining us today. We have Tim. Tim, I'm going to butcher your last name, so I won't even try it, but you are the head (laughs) of data science for Esports One and founder of Oracle's Elixir, um, which is, I'll be honest, the gold advantage's number one place where we are always going to find so much of our data and insights when we are trying to put together those incredible value and winning picks here. So um, thank you for joining us, and we're excited to have you shed some actual insight and you know <laughs> light on us for this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Glad to be here. It's always fun to, to kind of talk about this stuff and, and share different uh, different angles on things. I think we always, you know, even if we uh, maybe have different opinions on it. It's just seeing different things and, and having different uh, stuff that jumps out to us. Um, it's always fun to kind of talk polite. about. Yeah, <laughs> we, we actually have an expert. We actually have an expert in the game as, as opposed to us uh, amateur, you know, degenerates. Uh, and he's uh, he's bracing himself for, for what these guys are going to say. Yeah, he's definitely going to be here to correct many of my clinical errors as well as I can't wait for him to be like, your hot takes are... Not only are they dumb, but they're not even founded <laughs> in any sort of insights. So this will be great. Oh, I've had I've had plenty of great experiences on Reddit with uh, with the community. So you know, <laughs> sometimes you just gotta you gotta pay it forward. I definitely have some takes today, and I'm not sure how they're gonna go over, but we'll 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 cross that bridge when we get there, I guess. Um, if we kind of want to want to get into a little recap here of what went on last week, um, I'll send that over to Nikki. I'll let him cover. Yeah, I mean, so we had G2 Dam1. Uh, Dam1 won that pretty cleanly. Uh, and then on the other side, Sooning versus uh, Top Esports. We had Sooning close it out with a 3-1. to one. Uh, I mean, the, the Sooning is definitely an upset, but much less shocking than, I guess, the had the upset been G2. I'm not sure if I'm disappointed in G2's performance. I think overall it was pretty good. Um I did expect them to challenge uh, Dam One a bit more, but it it played out. I I just saw like in the previous in the quarterfinals when G two was playing, I saw a lot of uh, mistakes in the early game and stuff, or just a, maybe lax play uh, that I expected Dam One to take advantage of, and they did. So nothing that surprising. I think first off, I think we're all surprised that Top Esports, the favorite going into Worlds, got knocked out. Not only did they get knocked out, um. They got knocked out pretty convincingly. Like, Sooning hadn't beaten Top in one match all year. And then for them to come in and beat them 3-1, I was blown away by that. Um, Scott, I know that you have been all about upsets. and I, I Scott's don't... been all about Sooning until, uh, you know, since <laughs> they beat his pick in JD and uh, jumping on that bandwagon. And now he just he, loves Sooning. 
here's what I'll say about the about the, the that series specifically because I don't think there's much to talk about in Dan One G Two. Dan One kind of came out and did what they needed to do. Uh, maybe wanted to see a little bit more from G Two, like Nikki said. But in the Sooning match, I really think that like the the quote like everybody has a plan until you get punched in the mouth comes into play there because game one they go down like pretty bad. It, it didn't seem like a, a mountable comeback, right? Um, and they just pop off. They get the Baron. They come all the way back in that game. And it's just like, I, I don't think Top was ready for that to happen. And then from there, it was just kind of momentum. They did drop a map um, in the series. But overall, just impressive. And I think they're a team. And they've come back twice now uh, in Worlds. But they're just a team that kind of has a dog in them, and they're they're ready to go. And if they go down, they they have a plan, and they can they can make it work. Yeah, I think it's it's really fascinating to look at that series between uh, Top Esports and Sooning, and, and especially looking at the first two games and how in in both of those, like Sooning winning game one, Top Esports winning game two, in both cases the other team had this massive gold lead, uh, <clears throat> and well, not necessarily a massive gold lead, but a massive lead in general, right? Whether it's gold, whether it's dragons, I think in both of those the the team that ended up losing had gained the first three dragons, and yeah. you really expect that to give opportunities to to set up a favorable mat, map state to apply pressure like like if i've got three dragons you have to fight me for the fourth one so i can you know anticipate what you're going to do next and create a favorable situation that way but you know neither team was able to use that properly they couldn't get that fourth dragon that led to team fight losses and so on and and, and it was from that perspective the series was really weird to watch and, you know, I, I was joking around a little bit on Twitter during it. Hey, this is just LPL playstyle, right? Like no lead is safe. Ha ha ha. They're, they're, they kind of play random, but there, you know, there's something to that, but it, it, it's really, it was really interesting to see. Like I, I run a, 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 an in-game win probability model that I do. That's, that's kind of still a work in progress, still a little rough around the edges, but in both of those games, I'm pretty sure we are up like 80, 85% likelihood that the team that ended up losing was supposed to win at some point in like the early 20 minutes kind of i mean that makes complete sense because like we were talking like you said they were on soul point they were on soul yeah. point they were up in gold they were up in towers at some points you know like it, it definitely was at a point where or at least they had the the map pressure and you could just see them kind of steamrolling it and then suddenly it would just flip especially in that map one uh where where um sorry top was definitely in the lead and then suddenly they just kind of had a bad team fight and Suning just closed it out. What what also really impressed me um, about Suning and it's why like I I yes okay maybe I'm hopping on a bandwagon here They're in the <laughs> final now and they beat my boys that that I had faith in from the beginning. Um, throw that all out the window. What was impressive for me as well was after they dropped that map too. They they go back to the playbook and they kind of say we're gonna do something different and. From what I've noticed, this might be a little bit of an eye test, and I think Tim might be able to speak to this more. But bot lane pressure seems to be like the meta right now. It's just it's extremely important in the game. And what they did at the beginning of it was either game three or game four. They essentially did a split push on top and bottom lane, and it ended up working out really well for them. And they had a they had a pretty con- commanding victory there. It's a pretty big understatement. I mean, the 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 advantage that Jax got in the top lane when like Bin was monstrous. Yeah, I it it was just like it was interesting to me, like for for me to see that. I guess is just what I'm saying there. Yeah, I think I think a pretty big story of both of those games three and four is is that 
Sooning were able to get these big leads really early in the game. So in, in game three, there was, uh, you know, a top lane tower dive at like three minutes into the game where they got two kills and that in bin was on uh, Jax. And yeah. so if you get Jax two early kills like that early, uh, that really warps the game. Not as much as, you know, the previous week we saw him get a free sheen at level one on Gangplank. You know, it's not <laughs> quite to that extent, but these things where you you hand the, you know, potentially the the most snowbally player on their team, this massive early lead, and, you know, they earned it and they deserve to to have the credit for running with it, but it, it does warp the entire game from there and should make it pretty easily to close out. And, and, and honestly, I think they should have closed out faster in that game three. And then, and then in game four, there was a kind of a similar thing, but in the, in the the bot lane instead, where they had this uh, this level three gank from from S of M to the bottom lane, and that turned into a three one kind of skirmishy win for Sooning that accelerated the Akali in the mid lane ahead. So that wasn't been that time; it was somebody else. But but in both cases, I think Sooning really had this huge lead to run with. Still took them like forty minutes to close out both games, which speaks to how scrappy top esports could be, and in the fact that they were able to even stay competitive in those. But you know, Sooning. I think a really big question for them not to jump the jump ahead in the topic too much, but it will, will be really interesting to see if they can get those types of opportunities to snowball a game against M1. Uh, cause, cause it was huge for them in games three and four. That's actually exactly what I was going to say is that, um, the, the way that Sunning was winning and able to get those advantages makes me, uh, nervous about their matchup against, uh, a damn one especially because like i agree with you i think map three they had such an amazing start to the game and they they had something like a 4k gold lead before you know 15 minutes or something like that jacks had kills they had the dragons and things started to to slip away a little bit and they weren't able to snowball that into more which is what i would have expected and i think that's something we saw damn one do really well against g2 and this is this is kind of where as much as I have been hyped on Sooning and I do think that they are good, uh, Damwon just plays so clean. And when we're in their matches against like G2, for example, their wins were just so clean. And why I thought they were the favorite coming in is the, the lack of mistakes um, and that they give up opponents and then how they capitalize on the mistakes of their opponents. Yeah, there's definitely a lot more to say about about that. I don't again don't want to jump too much into the finals preview <laughs> topic yet if we're not ready for it. But Chris, yeah, well, I think right. I think we need to first do a quick additional recap on our betting topics um, from the weekend. Uh, Tim, I know you had a three-one-three-one pick for Damwon over G two and Top over Sooning. Yeah, we on this podcast had the exact same belief in top and damn on. So we lost both of those. Nikki had the brilliant insight of going over on kills in the uh, Sooning versus top match, which didn't hit on any game except for the fourth, which we obviously couldn't get on a wager into, which thank God. But um, Nikki, would you like to have any more additional thoughts around your and our lack of ability to just fuck kill bets um like it's the the, the brutal the truth i you, i've always hated these and i did think you know fair enough we looked at it both teams have been very aggressive the lpl is very aggressive and i was like yeah okay you know what like let's go for this of course no it's one-sided and it doesn't hit at all um i you know it's it's the second time i've given into it oh i've i've been pro it and it's not gonna happen again i think it's, we Ahead, it's yeah. so annoying because right right when you feel like it's going your way the bookmaker sets the right line and then 
kills just spike or just drop immediately down and you just don't see the same trends that you saw before. It's just such a, like they do such a good job of setting those lines. It's almost like not worth, not worth even looking at anymore. Whatever we think we should do based off of the data, just go the opposite and we'll nail it. We'll be at like 90% right now and kill bets. So with that, let's go into the grand finals. Um, Obviously, you know, oh, wait, wait, two seconds going back. I just wanted to comment on the map four of Damwon over uh, G2. Tim, have you ever seen a match at that level of play before where a Rift Herald gets like four towers and like ends the game within like 15 minutes? I had my mind was blown. It was just blown. You know, I can't say for sure that it's never happened. I'm pretty sure there has been one case I'm aware of, but I can't remember when it was a couple years ago where um, not sure if you know this, but if the if the Rift Herald is alive and on the map and like like charging in and helps kill the Nexus, it actually dances. Uh, and I believe that has happened <laughs> once in pro play that I'm aware of. I did not uh, know I, that, and I don't even remember <laughs> that match. So the Rift That's Herald incredible. dances. You can Google it, look it up. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a couple years ago. Um, so that was, you know, <clears throat> but that that's not in a world's semifinal, right? Uh, this against yeah, it G2, is against G two, a decent yeah, no team. kidding, a decent. So team. yeah, that that was that was pretty impressive to 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 throw out an understatement. Uh, I think Damwon, you know, did so much with that, and I think, you know, the game was in a pretty bad state for G two before the Herald came out and did all that, and and I think uh, G two are the kind of team that will they won't go down without a fight. They won't lose easy. They're gonna you know, say, Hey, we either try something now, it probably fails and we lose faster, but if it works, at least it gives us a chance, right? Or you can just bleed out slow is the other option. And they're not the kind of team to bleed out slow. Uh, neither is pretty much any LPL team. So, uh, I think that was, that was a factor in it and it, it kind of makes them look worse than I think they deserve to look. But, mm. uh, but it was something where Damwon, you know, they didn't allow any of those comeback opportunities, any of that, any of that playmaking for G2 and they just, they just crushed it brought it home it's one of those things and actually azale this is a bit of a tangent and not something which i would like to chat about is is the idea of where do you have to place to have done well at worlds and azale talked about you know um success at worlds being beyond like is the bar just first place and the funny thing is it's like i don't think uh, for example, G2, I, I don't think they played bad. I think they just ran into a certain enemy that made it, it tougher to perform. Um, on the do other hand, the, I do, do kind of the, feel that top did uh, underperform because they didn't the, reach the finals. Do you mean the T1 of 2015? Yeah, if you run into the T1 of 2015, you're going to underperform. But Tim, do you no, agree G- with this? Chris keeps saying Damwon is, uh, is yeah, uh, 2015. I, I think, I, <laughs> I think that phrasing enough is just it'll bring us into the topic that we're going to talk about next, which is obviously the finals match here. Well, hold on. Um, I want to hear Tim's thoughts on Damwon being the T1 of 2015. <laughs> I mean, I think that, I think that's relevant to the it's discussion reasonable. here though. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's, I think it's reasonable. I think we have to see how they do in the finals before, you know, really confidently putting that label on. But, but I think their, their level of dominance over this tournament is, is pretty comparable. Uh, really? I think, you know, I think coming into, Boom. Coming into the tournament, uh, I had top esports rated a little above Damwon, but it was only a couple days in that I flipped that and became very confident. No, no, no. Damwon is the number one team here. And and the real reason for my flip is just that I hadn't watched Damwon that closely or top for that matter. Uh, you know, I, I pay some attention in, in the, the opportunities I have to, to watch those leagues and, 
and you know keep an eye on it but i don't get a great read on them but then watching them play their first few games watching uh and then going back and like rewatching some of their lck matches and summer finals and so on i just you know i, I had these kind of nagging potential doubts about oh are they just a team that relied on snowballing the early game and maybe they're gonna have some flaws or weaknesses later but i saw so quickly no they don't only play carry top sides they don't you know, require early game snowballs. They're actually really clean in their mid and late game macro. They have that kind of LCK heritage of being a team that's in control and not just, you know, LPL style skill check team. Uh, and they're really the complete package. And and I think the way that they have played at Worlds this year has shown that. They've won games in so many different ways. Uh, they, they knocked out G2 in a way that was, you know, arguably more convincing than a 3-1 might suggest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it's pretty fair to, to really hype, hype them up and how well they've played. Nikki. This is exactly what I've been saying, just much better articulated. But thank you, Tim, for <laughs> and with far. I mean, I think far more I'm knowledge. Not saying, I, I'm not saying that they're not great. Um, I guess that there's a certain level of uh, mysticism for me around the 2015 SKT T1. You know, like uh, seeing that that team is the same way as that we had like Samsung White back in the day. I just when I think of those two teams, it's something that uh they were just so dominant out of the gates that, and it was so exciting to see them play. Whereas Damwon has been slept upon and maybe, maybe that's it. It's just, I haven't, we haven't had the, the kind of hype around it. It's I think okay. storylines feel- do definitely play into it, right? Like I think mm. when you look back at 2014, 2015, this was the height of the Korean dominance era, right? Yeah. You had, when you look at, at T1 in 2015, you've got Faker coming back for more. And you know who he is. Oh, he's the greatest player in the world. And everybody's watching with that expectation. Uh, when you, and, and, you know, 2014, kind of similar story. Like Korea is the top of the world. Everybody knows it. How hard are they going to win this tournament is the storyline. Coming into this year, you've got Damwon that is, you know, kind of young and experienced team. Can Korea get back on top? And I just don't think, I think to have that, that narrative swell to it, I think you had to have a lot more uh, of a pedestal yeah. to put them on before the tournament even started. So I think that that's a big reason why you don't get that same kind of comparison. Uh, and, but, you know, in in hindsight, I think it'll be viewed differently. Uh, I think I also think there was a lot of hype lot around yeah. the LPL was hyped up, whereas the yeah. LCK was hyped. But then we were the, there's and I know um, Frost Curran and uh, Dracos talked about this on Euphoria, Euphoria a bit. Um, that Damon is a cut above of the other LCK teams, yeah. but people were hyping the other two teams up as much as them. And I think that that maybe, uh, you know, dimmed the star of Damon a little bit. Yeah, completely. I, I actually am of the opinion, I still am of the opinion that the LCK as, <clears throat> as an entire league is not the greatest right now. I think outside of Damon, I think DRX is decent. They actually showed a little better at this tournament than I thought they would. Uh, Gen G, not that good, really. And the rest no. of the league, not really that good. Uh, and, we were talking so about it, this I last that, week. We were saying that like yeah. Fnatic had run into some of these other teams. I think that they could have actually made it through to semis instead. Yeah, definitely possible. I actually, I mean, to, to bring the conversation back around a little bit <laughs> and rewind it a few minutes, I actually think after the quarterfinals, um, I said you know, pretty publicly. And I, and I wrote about it a little bit that I thought Fnatic's two, three loss to top esports was more impressive than G2's three yeah. Oh win over Gen G. Correct. Uh, and, yeah. And I'd that, agree with I, that. Yeah. And so, you know, speaking to the idea of what result is, is actually good or good enough. I'm happier with what Fnatic achieved at worlds than I am with what G2 achieved to be perfectly honest. 
I was so disappointed by Fnatic all season long. I've been banging on about them, and then in playoffs, and then at Worlds, they've been so impressive. Um, yeah, I, I I completely agree with that. I, I think I am. But then you know, I'm I'm I am dis. Do I don't think G two played as well, so well, it is disappointing. But they reached semis. Well, let me come in and uh, add some level-headedness to this conversation. Don't say the, value. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only two teams that G2 really lost to happened to be the two teams in the final. So it's not like they were going out and losing to, you know, nobodies. They lost to Suning in their division um, or in their early group. And they were in actually a playoff and they lost to them. And Suning obviously performing unbelievably well. And then they lost to Damwon, the greatest team since, you know, 2015 T1. And so when you put it in that context, to me, they're not underperforming. You know, look, I've been the first one coming on here burying G2 from the summer um, and not being as impressed with them this year versus last year, right? Last year, they were clearly a cut above, I think, themselves, like performing just way better. But I don't know. The, the group that I'm really disappointed with just along the entire year is really just the LC, LCS. And so... That's because you're new to. That's because you're new to League of Legends esports. <laughs> Enough. Just you need to behave. betting. You you need to behave. But I mean, okay, we've we've kind of drawn out like the recap, and we've 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 covered pretty much all of it. And I think I think it's time for some grand finals chatter, because the trend is 2018 champions, 2019 champions, LPL. Will the era of Chinese dominance continue? And I, I don't think you can say dominance yet, right? Because they've only won two years in a row. And I think three is where you start to mark that out. But for Korea, it was five. And it's really a matter of if they can pull this off now. I think, yeah. I, I, I've just got, I've got Sooning. That's, I'm gonna, that's, that's how I'm going to start. I'm going to let everyone just make their early picks. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a damn one 3-0. Clean and easy. Tim? Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, re- I reserve the right to change this before the actual night of the series, but uh, Dem won 3-0 for me. Yeah, I, I have it as a 3-0 as well. Maybe Suning gets gets a 3-1, but it's what I said at the beginning. The problem is, I think the way Suning played and the opportunities they got, I don't think they'll get from Damwon. And uh, Damwon will punish all the mistakes that they, they made. So, so that's my that's my biggest takeaway, right? You continue to watch Dan Juan, um, and Tim. I'm sure you'll much better articulate this versus my uh, viewership. But Dan Juan is clinical with which the way they punish their opponents. You let up the one game that G two won. I think they literally played a perfect game when I was watching it. I was just like, they did everything, they executed perfectly, and Dan Juan still kept it close the entire time with gold until like the last little bit of the game. Damwon is able to not hit early game objectives if they don't want to, but still finish off with a higher gold advantage. And what they do is they are just so clinical with which they have a strategy. They go out and execute. And the minute you show one ounce of weakness, they capitalize on it. They get the early kills and their team fighting is just so much better than anyone else out there. It's it's like a piece of art. It's like truly incredible how gifted they are when they are attacking somebody. I'm watching it. And then like you go 
to that and then you watch like an LPL and it looks like like when I was watching top versus Sooning, it's just like it looks like a bunch of just chaos taking plates and then someone just kind of like dies. And I'm just like, Damon's just so much to me when I watch it. There's just it's unbelievable. Yeah, I think there's there's a certain stylistic kind of element to the traditional Korean way of playing and the traditional Chinese way of playing. If you just want to oversimplify it to that point where, you know, the, the Korean way of playing is we need to know the right thing to do and then do it. And if as long as we're always doing the right thing in, in the cert, in the current situation, then we're going to come out ahead more often than not. Whereas more of the kind of <clears throat> stereotypical Chinese approach is you may know the right thing to do, but we know that you're going to do that thing. And so we're going to do what's unexpected and get an advantage that way. So it makes it as a viewer, it makes it much harder to say, I know what they're, you know, what they're doing and why they're doing it. Uh, and, and it's kind of like adding one or two levels of complexity on top. And G2 plays a lot that way as well. Uh, and, and that's, I think, part of what makes them really interesting to watch. But when you when you watch Damwon, they they combine this, you know, amazing individual level of skill with this ability to do the right thing, right? To to kind of to your point earlier, to have an objective up and choose not to fight it because they say, you know what? We didn't get the right series of steps leading into this. This isn't going to lose us the game. So let's not try to force it and, you know, cost ourselves more than we're already being being hurt on this play. Uh, and and they yeah they they make such clean decisions they they avoid bad team fights, uh, and and they just move to the to the correct decisions at, at the correct times. You know what's super interesting is that I, I was actually watching um, the vod of the the Sooning the Sooning series and semifinals, and after they beat top map one, they go back and they replay um, the comms from kind of like the the last team fight there, and obviously translated whatever you 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 hear sword art at one point in that conversation just say and he's the igl like like what do we do next is essentially like it seems like there's like a lot of ideas just coming together at the same time and they kind of just go for whatever they think is best in in the moment and it's very reactive style of play and it was interesting to see like that being said like what do we do next because they didn't really expect maybe to come out on top side of the fight or like who to chase down and it, it was very interesting for me yeah, I think I think it was it was really interesting. I think the thing that I liked about watching Suning's win was, you know, you mentioned how uh, bottom centric the meta is, but SOFM was all over the place. He was getting so many great advantages for Bin and Angel. We saw Bin carry basically, uh, definitely game three. I would argue that him and Angel are what one match for. Um, so there is an excitement in what they're able to do. Uh, and I think that is the the way that they can win is is leaning into their strengths and and playing this style which is very flexible. Um, it's just hard to to see the gaps in Damwon for them to be able to take advantage of that, especially over you know three different games. I just I also think that Canyon and Ghost are just playing at a level that is just superior to anyone else in the game right now. Like they are just absolutely dominating and so when you see and that was unbelievably apparent when we're watching them bg2 up and down the freaking side of the street um you know they're just if you look across all their statistics they're just a level above everybody else and i think that those two players in particular are just going to carry them completely through to a either i'm going to say 3-0 but 3-0 or 3-1 i just don't think there's any competition there for me, it yeah. just feels like they need to find a way to to hold off Damwon's ability to win in the bottom lane 
for enough time to get SOFM to where he needs to be and to, to put him in a position to shine um, in this series for them to come out on top. And, and I think that's really going to come like factor in is how well can they hold off that pressure? Cause I don't think they have the advantage down there. Yeah. I think, I think the, the jungle matchup is the one that I think most people should be watching and will be watching in this series. I think SFM and, and, and you know what he's done, you know, the first, most of the tournament so far, I think it was all about his ability to out farm and be so efficient and, and read the right paths and come out with these huge CS leads and big gold leads. Uh, you know, at the tournament so far, he's averaging uh, plus 7.9 CS difference at 10 minutes, which is pretty big. Um, you know, about about 200 gold plus experience up at 10 minutes uh, and farming a ton, like a 7.0 CS per minute is the other number for him that I think is really impressive. So all these numbers are really great. And then you look across the rift to Canyon plus 11.1 CSD at yeah. 10 plus 700 yeah. <laughs> gold plus experience and 7.2 exactly CS it. per minute. That like, is okay. exactly it. <laughs> And, and in the semifinals, SFM did kind of flip that style a bit, and he played much heavier to gank. Um, overall, the tournament suiting of a 73% first blood rate. And, and I think, you know, a lot of that was generated with, with SFM's pathing and, and, and ganking. So he can, you know, he can both play the heavy farm, high efficiency style, and he can gank a lot, can be very effective at both. But I just don't think you can put him above Canyon in, in any of these things. Uh, and I also think Canyon has a little more lane talent to work through. So so this this really important factor of suiting you know, looking much better when, when, especially when Bin gets a big lead and when SFM gets a big lead and those things are going to be really, really difficult for them to find against Amon. I think you mentioned first blood there. And <laughs> that with that being said, Suiting has 2.0 odds on map one first God, blood. You know what? But we all, here's what I'll say. It was ready to pounce on it as well. We're all just waiting here to. Yeah, we're <laughs> waiting, <laughs> waiting in the wings. Your knowledge to be like it's a Tim endorsed bet. Soon, <laughs> no, 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 no. Let's 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 be fair here. But yeah, I mean, okay, it's 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 weird, right? Like they're probably gonna get it because they get first blood at seventy three percent of the time, and they have two point odds. So first of all, great bet, place that, and value. then hold on and watch. That's a ton of value right there. Ton of value. They're probably gonna get it, but. If they go for it, they're also probably going to lose out at the end of the engagement, which I like. I think Damwon will react in a way and expect it to where they'll still have the advantage coming out of the fight, which is it, it's a struggle for me. But you know the LPL aggression like across the board. You know what else we love? We have the statistics of first tower for Damwon, eighty five percent, Sooning fifty three percent, and I'll be honest. After watching Damwon's masterful use of that Rift Herald. I'm just going to be betting first tower every single time. Odds aren't great. You get 1.63. They're um, way more generous than I think they should be. Way, way more generous than we should. For, they should the be. Way, I think first blood has always been a bit of a toss up, um, and you can have the, these close fights. But with first tower, just damn one is, is so consistent that giving us 163 is something you know I'd want to lock up very quickly. I, yeah, I, you have to think they'll get it two out of three games at least, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and at that point you should be all right. And those uh, are pretty Tim, you're falling thoughts. for the for the idea that statistics are consistent. <laughs> we also <laughs> believe that a couple of times. Um, my thing there is just I, I think there's a little bit more value in Dragon at one six nine for Damwon, and my reasoning is that it's just basically an eye test for me. And Damwon does a very good job of controlling the map to get that first dragon. And I think that Sooning is somewhat willing to just give it up. And like, I mean, nobody wants to be down like that early or give them an opportunity, give the other team an opportunity to put them on soul point and like force them to make the fights. But I, 
from the look of it, like they're gonna take the engagements and they're very willing to fight. But at the same time, like there's not there there is somewhat of like a willingness to also allow the other team to get the first dragon. Interesting. Yeah, that one that one is a little tricky to me because it depends so much on how the two teams draft and what game plans they bring in. So when you look at Sooning, you say we want to win through Bin in the top lane as much as possible, which implies they're gonna want to draft and and play for a setup where they they win the top lane they take rift herald if the if it's a trade of herald for dragon they'll take the rift herald side of it and that's probably a great way for them to win if you also look at you know how they how they structure their drafts they're sooning are much more likely to give bin a counter pick um to want to play red side for example to to secure that counter pick where where damon are much more likely to be willing to blind pick for nugri and uh and, and then play for the bottom side uh but at the same time, Damwon know this. They know that winning through the top side is probably a pretty big deal for Sooning. And Nuguri is is you know very, very skillful. And traditionally, Damwon have actually played through the top lane more than they played through the bot lane this year. So they could also just choose to say, no, we're not going to handshake this and win the bot harder than you win the top. They could say, no, we're going to draft for the top lane. We're going to de- deny like one of these primary win conditions for you. We're going to take the Herald side of the trade, and we're just going to smash you at whatever you're best at. So it's it's I I really don't know which one to predict, which game plan. If, you know, will Dam one kind of handshake it and say, uh, you know, you're not going to win through top lane hard enough, or are they going to just like attack the top lane themselves? This is something that is really interesting, also because we've gotten hosed on this a number of times. Which is, you think you watch the first game and then you don't make any of the wagers until you are watching live, right? Because to that point, Tim, maybe you notice that they're both going top, and so you're like, okay, Rift Herald, First Tower, got it. Um, maybe the other team's now going to go down and do Dragon. And then next game, completely different strategies. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're like, wait, what, did ha- what just happened? The, you know, last game there was 30 kills. Now this game you're going to be going for like 15? How, how does this happen? And um, that is something where we kind of do from a betting perspective and a betting strategy perspective tend to blanket all of it and just if you're going to bet don't try and pick and choose on any given game or map whether it's going to be one of those or not just blanket it on all three and hope that the statistics kind of play out for you um and then you know if something if you are noticing trends live during the game try and jump on those when you can but especially because you know as soon as the picks go live those those um options to bet on completely fall off yeah and i think i think you know to the extent that you're able to interpret the draft and let that influence what you think is going to happen. Uh, I, and I've tweeted about this and I think it, it, a little bit of a response to what you hear on the cast, even sometimes that the the draft dictates far more about which side of the map a team is going to play towards, which objective they're going to prioritize than the characters of the teams do. Like, I, I don't yeah. care if, if Damwon is the most top side focused team in the league, if they draft Orn and, and then a Caitlyn Lux bot lane, they're not going to prioritize the Rift Herald. They're going to play <laughs> through the bottom lane, right? Like, yeah. So it, this, you, the level of conversation you have about top side focused team versus bot side focused team versus whatever, that really goes out the window once you see the drafts come in, or at least it should. And at this level of play, teams, teams do play, you know, more or less how they should, uh, you know, with some margin around there. Um, so, you know, to the, to the extent you're able to react to the draft, I think that can really swing these, these kinds of things a, a, a lot. I... There's also like, 
I, this is also somewhat of an eye test, I guess. And maybe most of my knowledge is, which whatever, you guys can shit on me if you want to. He's, I don't care. He has, but, uh, <laughs> he's like minus three in both eyes. So <laughs> <laughs> no, I have 2013 vision, sir. Um, there's like, when they lose that first dragon, there's, there's kind of a mental switch to like, we can get this done with Baron for Sooning, especially it's, it, they don't necessarily like prioritize the next dragon fights either in a way and i mean when they wear purple granted like it's obviously a massive buff but they looked unstoppable at points and it was super interesting to see and i think they ride momentum really well i mean i'd agree with that but that's but that that's actually exactly kind of why i don't think they'll be damn one because i don't think damn one gives allows you to gain that momentum which is which is the problem here so it's it's I mean, I, I can understand the dragon bed being a bit bit cautious. Um, I do really like the first tower one, like we said. Um, the one I actually thing I want to ask about is, what about a total dragon slain over under over four and a half dragons? Ooh. See, I can see that coming into and play. That's just like that having that at at four and a half. It's just like, well, damn one's gonna sweep the like they've set the line in the prediction that Damwon is going to sweep the floor with them because Damwon's obviously the odds favorite here mm. at one four five for the game. So, I mean, like they're just saying like there's a chance. Yeah. Maybe Sooning gets one, but it's going to be four straight dragons for Damwon. That's essentially what the line, like that's what it's saying. I can also see I think, it being a three, one where we don't get soul point. They, they win a fight, they grab Baron and they end the game. Yeah. And, and yeah, that, that too. Um, it, it all factors in at the end of the day, but like, I, I do think Sunin can pull off a dragon here or there and maybe like Damwon's inability to give ground, like they're allowing that one objective to be taken, but later on, like they're going to control the map early. They're going to get to 3-0 and then maybe they give up one and they take the final at the fifth dragon. But I, I think that's honestly a pretty good bet. I, I would hit the over there. So Tim, I, I have a question for you. If you were to look at all the statistics, you know, first blood, first tower, first dragon, first baron, or even just like a matchup, like we're looking for value a lot of the time, which is which, which one of these could happen, right? We, because of that, we love odds that are over 2.0 because the reality is you can lose one and win one and still be even. And so if you end up hitting on just a small tick higher, um, you're doing better. Whereas below, you know, below two, you have to hit over a 50% clip. You know, this is basic math, but over 50% clip in order to actually make money. Um, where do you see... Di- Obviously, all the value is going to be on Sooning. Now, if they lose 3-0, as we think, there's, like, there's probably going to be a little value there. But outside of First Blood, which we've kind of identified, like, do you see any value plays or anything around um, kills or like any anything that might be interesting? Yeah, so I'd say <clears throat> I'd say the over under on Baron Slain. So there's there two point six two odds on over one point five on Baron Slain. Uh, I think there's a pretty decent likelihood that Dam One need two barons to close, not because they you know they require a baron to close, but because they they'll probably get barons quite early. And if you get like a 22 minute baron, you might not close within it unless you're like super far ahead. Uh, and and they are a a cautious enough team, like they can turn it on and just you know ride this thing straight home as they did against G2 in Game Four. They're very much capable of that. But I don't think that's their preference. Preference. 
I think they they did that because G2 threw their bodies at them trying to force a comeback and Dan wanted like, okay, we'll just punish that and win. But I think, you know, their their preference would be more, let's keep this clean, let's do it the right way, you know, tick off the check boxes and and take that first Baron, you know, put the game out of reach, control up to the second one and closing the second one. I think I think getting two Barons is something that has a decent likelihood of happening and those odds are uh, yeah, two point six two, that's that's pretty generous at over 1.5 i can hear the temptation in your voice tim (laughs) (laughs) well i love that kind of insight i love that kind of value we will be absolutely hitting that yeah Um, and and i also think you know sooning the the chinese kind of stereotype of being super aggressive and wanting to take skill checks and and all this i think it applies a little less than sooning does than it does to some of these other teams like like you were saying earlier, the the Sooning versus Top series wasn't super high kill, wasn't super high action. I think Sooning are okay with that. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, they were one of the slower kill pace teams in the LPL this year. Uh, I don't think they're they're at the level of a G2 of like, no, we need to force a comeback now or we're going to lose slow, you know, kind of thing. I think they are comfortable looking for the next team fight and either drafting for that, you know, whether or not they've drafted for it, um, kind of waiting for their opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that does lead towards um, fewer games, uh, <clears throat> fewer games kind of getting getting blown out of the water really fast and closing really quickly by like the 23 minute mark. Yeah, and I think we saw that like, you know, when they had they were behind by by a, a thousand or so uh, against top, they they didn't force anything. They knew that their team fight was what could win it um and they they would win and i mean also this goes down to sofm getting such amazing uh smites in games two and three i mean yeah we, t- we talk about the aggression a lot but at the same time there is a there's a certain amount of composure there you're not in a, you're not in a world final if you're just throwing your body at people so yeah i i don't think they're unwilling to draw the game out for as long as they need to um and i think that kind of speaks to like maybe a little over under tower action i don't know but like the odds obviously reflect with the dragons that they think that damwon's gonna dominate but then the over under for towers is set at 11 and a half which kind of doesn't exactly get into it but there's also also the multi-lane approach where they kind of just take towers until they're all the way in the base and that's definitely a possibility but at 2.0 under 11 and a half kind of friendly nikki can i interest you in over 26 and a half kills <laughs> Don't make me do this podcast. <laughs> I already, um, I already uh, spent an hour on therapy talking about why did I fall for that again? <laughs> I was like, what happened in my childhood that makes me want to do this to myself time and time and again? Right. One other bit that I'm, as I'm looking through this, and I can't believe I've never thought of this, but watching Damwon's just absolute control of gold, I wish I could like place a wager on how much more gold Damwon is going to win by. Like whether they're going to win by like 5,000 gold or like 10,000 gold. Um, I feel like I would love to place a wager on that. that I mean, is also, it, it also really sucks that uh, Midnight has a book, which is which is what we use online, midnight.com. Don't have a promo code yet. Um, they <laughs> they don't offer individual player like kill bets and stuff like that, which is super annoying because I've seen a lot of value there like over the course of over the course of every uh, lead that we've bet on their seasons. And that's pretty annoying. But yeah, there are definitely more lines that could be offered. All right. So kind of wrapping up, we've got Damwon 3-0 at 3.4 odds. We love that. Damwon at 3.3 to 1 
is 3.35. Um, don't love that as much, but Sooning still interesting. Scott likes Sooning 3.2 at a 5.3. <laughs> it's not bad. It's the only way it's going to happen, really. But Or, I mean, Sooning 3.1. You know they no, could pull okay. it. They could now pull we're, a, now uh, we're 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 getting out of we're getting out of hand here. I mean, yeah, you can pull your six odds, and then you can also pull your nine at three zero, but that's not going to happen. So, <laughs> yeah, three two seems like the only option for me if you're going to go for suiting. Any uh, any last words before we? Uh, I mean, I think, can, I think we can go through and just run an entire recap real quick of what we think is like kind of valuable here. Um, what I think we noted is kind of just across the board. I would say first blood for Sooning, and they're pretty much underdogs on every map as as they're all the same. So like 2.0 across the board for Sooning, and then on the back of that, Dam one first towers at 1.63 across the board, as well as uh, the Barons over under at 1.5 at 2.62. There's a lot of value there. Love that. Um, yeah, I think those are kind of the main bets, and then maybe you also you also hinge on Dam one getting first dragon at 1.69. If you if you feel the need to, but that's pretty much I think the entire recap. Maybe you're maybe you're under eleven and a half towers at two point but that's just my light prediction. <laughs> I definitely feel the need to do first dragons and first towers and probably first barons as well. This is first my last time in two first dragon. I think is risky. I don't get to bet on league now for like four more months. We got, I just want to hit everything. Call of Duty's done, league's done, and uh, our CS:GO expert is shaky at best. Bring that 2020 vision. Oh, that's astounding because I'm hot right now, and that's all that matters. You're hot, and we're losing money. Okay, well, there was a, <laughs> there was a two the definition and, of hot is gone. There was a two and two day where we lost a little we bit lost of money, money. <laughs> like, and we you were like, lose. "Yeah, well, you know, losing money is not that big a deal." I'm two and two. <laughs> we didn't lose enough money for you to be railing me on air right now. So. Tim, Tim doesn't need to hear fair. our dirty laundry, but Tim, do you want to <laughs> let everyone know where they can check out the uh, like awesome content you've been doing recently on YouTube, uh, Twitter, all of that stuff? Yeah, so I'd say uh, head to oraclesluxor.com. You can find uh, some links out from there uh, and follow me on Twitter at Tim Sevenhusen. Uh, there are a lot of link outs to different things. We've got a, got a Discord community, got a, a, a Twitch stream and a YouTube channel and a lot of different places things are getting spread around to. So kind of the central channels, the Twitter is a, is a good place to kind of start to branch out into all those other things. And in case you don't know how to spell Seven Usen, we will be retweeting uh, Tim's content from recently so that you can find him quite easily. Uh, Put it in the the podcast notes. Very nice um, and supportive. It's a yeah. I would would definitely, I would definitely get on that Discord. They're very friendly, and there's just a lot of like very cool discussions that you can read through there. I haven't been super active in the chat, but I mean, I've been reading, and and there's definitely a lot of good ideas and theories and everything, and it's it's super interesting to read about it. And it's I heard him say Twitter. Scott, you know, I I heard him say Twitter, so I have to. But follow us at Gold underscore Advantage on Twitter, the little blue bird. Um, that's that's pretty much all I got. So if you guys have anything to say, I mean, it's been great. It's been an absolutely smashing podcast. Thank you, Tim, for coming on. It's it's yeah, been absolutely. amazing. Yeah, a lot of fun, guys. All right, with that, we will um, join our ch- Twitter and. Thank you very much. Toodaloo. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. You're gonna have to, Scott. You're gonna have to cut. Was, uh, Scott, you're gonna have to cut that. Nailed it. Just cut that last I mean, little bit. Do you want to read out? You want to read out one more? No, time no, no, no. We're leaving that in. All right. See you, everyone. <laughs> Later. <laughs>